Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. Today I have the pleasure of being joined by Abby Willis who is an online coach herself, also an in-person coach. She's a nutritionist and she's also had a lot of success within the bodybuilding industry and does some judging also. So Abby, for those who maybe don't know a lot about your background, when and how did you first actually get into the fitness industry? So I started way back. <laughs> it feels like so, so many years ago now. But um, I started as, actually as a dancer. So I came from a performing arts training um, background and I had studied performing arts. I'd been a dancer literally all my life. I can't remember life without it as such. Um, I went into professional training and I enjoyed maybe my first year and then I hated it. I absolutely hated the industry. I hated what I was getting myself into, even though my entire life had been this, this passion, this drive for dance. Before you go professional, you don't understand the industry. You have no idea what you're really getting yourself into. Um, so when I started training for that, <laughs> I realized all the, the bad things about, about becoming a performer, becoming a dancer. Um, there was a lot within training um, regarding, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've got Miss, uh, Miss Rue here, who's being an absolute nightmare today. Um, so yeah, I kind of got myself a little worked up about it all, to be honest, because I had studied and I had got myself into this industry that I I actually didn't enjoy anymore and I didn't want to be in and um, it knocked my mental health a lot yeah I am um, I don't know if falling out of dancing was the right way to phrase it because I still enjoyed that aspect it was very much when you get into professional training you realize what it takes to be a professional dancer um, or performer in general you sacrifice a lot in terms of you are trying to be within a group of image if that makes sense so you're constantly being watched that you're not overweight you're yeah. constantly going uh am i skinny enough and all the jobs are for or were back then at least much more for those types of people you had to be slim you had to have a visible core you would literally get auditioned and we would get auditioned all the time and people would get feedback within my year of, okay, you have to go on a diet. And this is from people that weren't experienced in nutrition. They weren't experienced in diet. They would literally tell them to be like, right, you have to, you know, instead of have lunch, go to the gym. You have to be at school at, um, at uni an hour early to do an extra fitness class. They would be <laughs> enforcing these things on people. Um, and it was never me because I was, I was kind of that image of being slim and being slender. I had always danced. I was very, very fit in terms of like cardiovascular wise and things like that. I was skinny to the bone. So they would use me as like, oh, you need to look like Abby. You need to look like that. That's how you need to look. And inside I was thinking at all times, I was like, okay, but I eat like a chocolate bar on a break. And then I go home and I have a homemade dinner. And that's all I would eat. That's, that's literally it. And then they were looking at me like I was like some idolized <laughs> physique. And I was like, I don't feel healthy. 
I don't feel healthy in this body. I feel, yeah, I'm skinny and I have a six pack and I can do hours and hours of dancing, but I don't feel fit. I don't feel health. Um, and I was like, oh, I just, it didn't agree with me at all. I was like, I don't, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that at all. And that's kind of what shocked me in the sense of you realize how strict it is. And then you have that pressure on your shoulders. I then constantly have this pressure to be this certain weight or this certain look. So I would then be petrified about eating more or just, or, or putting on any sort of fat. I'd be constantly like, oh my God, I need, I need to be this slim. You need to be able to see the bones of my legs literally popping out. And that was praised. And I was like, this shouldn't be praised. I don't, get, I don't understand it. And um, so I fell in love with that aspect. I fell in love with the fact that if you get a job, if you get injured, that's pretty much it. That's your career over. That's it done. Like there's no backup plan in sense of, yeah, you could maybe turn to teaching. You could turn to that. But I was never interested in teaching dance. That never interested me from the beginning. Um, so that aspect a lot put me off in terms of like your career could just end. It could just end like that. And you needed a backup plan. Yeah. Now I, I've always been that kind of, I'm a very much scatterbrain. Like I like, I'm all over the place all the time, <laughs> but I'm also really, really together. And um, in the fact, I think about every single avenue all at once. So whilst I was training, I was like, I need a backup plan. I need, a, I need another career that I could potentially go down. That isn't dance if this doesn't work out for me or if I get injured in the future. So whilst I was training, I did a PT course because obviously I loved fitness and I loved the fitness side of, of, of uni. Um, and I was, relatively good at it I enjoyed the movements and the hit training and all the burpees that we used to do I, I enjoyed that um so I went into that just a PT course you know your average one um and I absolutely fell in love with it like I hadn't had a passion like I had had from for dance since falling out of love with that I was like oh my god this is where I need to be this is what I want to do and I want to explore this way more so when I finished my performing arts degree I then moved straight on pretty much I went straight back to education I was like absolutely not I'm not doing this industry I might do little odd jobs here and there and I did I did a few dance jobs just to kind of get my foot in there to see if I I actually liked it but whenever I did I was like no I don't I don't, I don't like this industry at all and um, so then I went uh, and studied nutrition and I studied sports science and I just I wanted to know everything I just wanted to get into every little inch of detail on everything like I love education I love learning so for me that was it that was kind of the real turning point of like this is what I was meant to do instead of this is what I thought I was meant to do because in my mind what I thought I meant to do was dance but actually as I grew up and I grew into it, I was like, no, no, this is where I feel, I feel good. And I feel like I can make a real big difference to other people's lives, not just, just, not just my own. So that's how I kind of got into that industry, long-winded way. Yeah. <laughs> when, when did you actually start like resistance training? Was it then when you made that transition into PT and started studying a little bit more? Or did you start resistance training prior to that? So um, I did it as I started the PT course. So before that, I'd done all like the HIIT workouts and, you know, we would always have fitness in the morning. 
Um, and then I moved on when I started my PT to then start actually picking up some weights and realizing how to do it and knowing how to do it. Um, and then in my final year at uni, they did have a gym, but only the guys used it. Only the, the guys on the, on the course and on the performing arts course I ever used it. Um, and I was pretty much the only other girl that was in there <laughs> after I'd done my PT course using this equipment, like still very new to it. You know, not really, um, I don't think you have a full understanding of lifting after after doing a personal training course it's very basic yeah uh, I completely very agree. But they are they're a great starting point and I think that people take the piss out of PT courses a lot like but yeah I do think it's a good starting point and it's a good baseline level of knowledge for people to have before they then go on to build on that and put things into practice yeah you never you never really especially during that course you never actually understand what it's like to work with someone like with an act, a, a physical body in front of you that's not also into fitness because everyone on your course that you're kind of doing these assessments on they're, they're generally into fitness already or they they're quite fit and they can move relatively well and then you get someone that has never stepped in a gym before and you're suddenly personally personal training them and you're like what, what you don't know how to squat i mean I have to teach you that now, of course, but <laughs> you don't, you don't actually get that side of training very much whilst you're, whilst you're training on a, on a general PT course. So. Yeah, exactly. I agree. And that's another reason I think it's so beneficial for people to do some gym floor PT, at least for a period before moving online. I mean, not everyone agrees with that, but I think it's a beneficial thing to do personally. I, I honestly know people, and I hope they're not listening to this, but people on like my sports science that I would trust less than some PTs I know that have just done a PT course or just done online courses. I would trust them less with a client of mine. And that's, that's things like huge because that's, you know, that's a uni level qualification, but honestly, I would not refer people to them. Yeah. It's really interesting. And from there, so you've done your PT course. When did you first get into competing? And how long did it take you to actually win your first show? So I went to see a bodybuilder show. That was my first ever kind of experience of it. One of the people on my, actually on my personal training course, was into bodybuilding and they said hey do you want to go and watch the show with me i had no idea what it was i literally hadn't got a clue like i completely oblivious to bodybuilding at this point on a, on a competing level of it i knew what bodybuilding was but actually stepping on stage so they invited me i went along and it was a uk bff show it was in portsmouth and then i saw the women up there and like gathered at this point i was still really really slim I had no muscle mass. I, I was just skinny. Um, and I looked at these women that stepped on stage in the bikini category and I was like, holy crap, I want to look like that. Like how feminine and strong they looked. I was like, they're so shapely and they've got muscle. And I was like, I want to look like that. That's insane. I need to do that. Um, and I think that's a lot of the thing that drove like my nutrition, like nutrition and all of that. Cause I was, um, I'm so interested on how to do it and how to do it well. So yeah, that was my first experience of a bodybuilding show. And I knew straight away when I saw them up there, I was like, I need to do that. 
and I like I need to do it it was like my new thing I was obsessed with it. I was like that is what I want to do um and it wasn't so much about the competing I didn't really fathom at the time like who won or who lost I was just like I just want to be strong I just want to be like feminine and sexy and but have muscle and I was like yes um so the competing aspect for me wasn't the draw of like winning or anything like that it was just the the physical challenge of getting my body to be capable of doing that so then pretty much dive straight in still whilst I was studying into that and I was uh, trained for about a year and really focusing on bringing up my physique from what it was which I did put on a lot of muscle to begin with but when I look back now I'm like I would not even place in a competition now yeah. <laughs> compared to what I looked like when I first stepped on stage I would not even play in, in the year of 2021 I would not place that's that's it simple as um, but back then bikini competitions weren't that big and um, in terms of the lineups were big but there wasn't many shows so yeah. you would have lineups of like 20 to 30 to 40 bikini girls but the drasticness of the body wasn't as extreme as it is now they're not as big you weren't as big as you are now you're not as lean as you are now it's just it was much more of a kind of like on the beach bikini look yeah what year was that Abby because I think that it might have been a similar year to when I got into competing that's gotta be around 2014 2015 yeah because I got into it like 2015 so it was very similar I know exactly what you mean like it was just there was still a lot of people at the show and at certain shows like you would get a really big lineup but the standard wasn't as high and it was like you either do you know there's maybe four popular shows to choose from a year whereas now there's like so many yeah hundreds Yeah, literally endless. And I, I think it wasn't even that the standard wasn't high, it just the standard wasn't set to what it is now, but it was set to what it was back then. It was just, you know, it wasn't as extreme. And even if you look at like back in, in that year, Miss Olympia and stuff, they look nothing like they do now. We look, I think that's just because we've got such a better understanding and kind of a drive for female bodies to be good, not just normal but like good in terms of bodybuilding yeah um, and it's actually found its place because if we think about it bikini bodybuilding is relatively new it, it's not that old in in comparison to bodybuilding classic bodybuilding figure all of that that was came way before bikini did and um, so i think it's only probably just in the past three four years really found its feet yeah as a as a criteria and as a actual category definitely yeah. i think you know, people are always going to push the extremes and the standard is always going to get higher every year. And there's obviously more drug use and things like that now, which mean that the extremes are pushed. So there's a lot that comes into it, but the criteria is definitely different now to what it was. Um, And looking back on your time competing so far, what is your proudest achievement? Um, For me... My my goal when I first started was literally, like I said, just to compete and, and see what my body was kind of capable of doing. And then that kind of consistently say, stayed with me throughout. And um, it was a very natural progression with the industry 
because of my achievements from the shows like I would win one show and then you'd get invited to the British and then you would get invited to this and that and that and it kind of just carried me on um, I didn't mean to kind of do it for so long almost I was kind of just doing it once to see if I could do it and then it kind of just carried me through and um, biggest achievement would be definitely getting to the worlds within within GBO um, and getting that kind of sponsored chance to compete internationally and on an international stage and then being out there with those girls in, in America and standing on that stage was just baffling to me I was like how did I end up here <laughs> from yeah. where I started how the hell did I end up here um on this stage with like there I think there was 34 the first time that I did the atlas and I was like I'm so overwhelmed I'm so confused but I'm also so proud because um I did put the work in and I did take my time to progress I took every bit of feedback and every bit of work that I physically could have done to come back better each time. Um, so yeah, it was it's probably definitely that first time that I, I got there. Yeah. And that's like, you've achieved so much through your career. Like you should be proud looking back. And like you said, you did put the work in to achieve what you did. And so when did you actually last step on stage and how has your training changed since then? So I last stepped on stage in 2019 and again that was just a continuation of, of the rest of kind of my progression in the industry and since when I did that 2018 show out in, the, um, out in America because I placed um, so highly they invite back the person as like a wild card from whatever country if you do place within that, that top kind of three position. Um, so they invited me back straight away again fully funded for 2019 so I kind of had no option but to do it again I, I did of course you always have a choice and I'm very very respectful of that but I could not turn down that offer I was like no I need to come back and and see if I can do it again really um so that that's kind of where where I left it 2019 and then coming out reverse diet and we then hit lockdown <laughs> so training wise and um, I reversed out the show um because this was right at the back end of 2019 so this is in December anyway and um, reversed out the show training was going amazing I was getting like back into kind of my strength cycles and stuff within the gym and then lockdown hit in March <laughs> so I didn't have any weight at home like I had a few dumbbells that go up to 4.5 kg and that was it like that was absolutely it so everything that I'd been working on the past few months was just like down the, not down the drain but I was like oh my god I, I actually can't push for strength as my my target right now because I, I don't have the capacity to I don't have the availability and then prices soared up for weights as well and I just could not fathom spending yeah. <laughs> hundreds on the what I knew was worth however much so um lockdown's actually where I met my other half uh online and he is a crossfitter a really 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 good crossfitter <laughs> and before we actually met when we were just talking he would send me through crossfit workouts he'd be like try this one today and that kind of got me through lockdown and that got me through training in lockdown because those were pretty much bodyweight exercises it was 
really, really hard, really, really intense. And that, and also I was still coaching PT online. And whenever I, whenever I PT someone, I don't know, it just sparks the motivation. When I see someone else doing well, I'm like, oh, I need to go and train now. I feel good. Like, I feel good that you feel good. Now I feel good. So I'm going to go train. And so I use that a lot as like my, my spur through lockdown. So I've never really suffered in terms of like motivation or, or energy to train and because I had these these pathways in which people were giving me giving me ideas and stuff to go to go beyond so it was it was good but yeah that's what uh, introduced me to CrossFit lockdown <laughs> and so now are you doing like mostly CrossFit style training or I've seen you doing a bit of climbing every now and again Yes. So I very much like, I am hybriding my training in the moment. It is a bit all over the place, but it's where I feel really comfortable right now. And I like, I enjoy everything I do. Nothing has a pressure behind it in terms of, there isn't an end goal with any of it. I don't want to compete as a CrossFitter. I see my other half and how intense that is. And I go, absolutely bloody not. Um, (laughs) I, climbing a bit like I would say gymnastics you have to start young it's one of those things to be actually at an elite level of it I'm okay with being averagely good at it like I'm cool with that and and then I started Brazilian jiu-jitsu which was just a in a means of self-defense which is what I always wanted to learn I've always wanted to learn something like that and and then I still I still incorporate bodybuilding like resistance style training within within all that and um, but it's it's nice that it it keeps you going but you don't need to you don't need to have an end goal with all yeah it's really nice to hear and it's such a similar place to where I'm at at the moment and people are always like I think people almost feel a pressure to have like one style of training and then push the boundaries with that style of training but there's actually no harm in sitting in the middle especially when your goals are like to look good feel good be healthy mm-hmm. perform well you don't need to like be defined by one different form of training you can mix it up and have fun with it yeah I think the only you know space in which you really need to be dedicated to one style is if you're competing at a high level of it yeah um you know you you see some people doing crossfit style training within bodybuilding or as a means within their prep um but it's not really sustainable and it's not going to serve you long long term incorporating it or incorporating other things really and but I just say I just think you know if you're not competing at an elite level then you can just incorporate what you want incorporate what makes you happy what you enjoy what you just want to kind of level you out you know it's it's about after you've competed especially it's about finding enjoyment within fitness yeah because I think it's easy to lose that exactly I completely agree and for anyone that like doesn't compete as well enjoyment is what's gonna enable you to actually stay consistent with things so it yeah it's so important you can still make great progress it's just when you want to push to the elite level with something that you really have to double down on one style of training and be really meticulous with everything oh yeah and I think that's where a lot of coaches go wrong in in terms of programming for clients um 
you know, some of my clients are on, you know, resistance, bodybuilding, very structured workouts. Some of them are on Metcons. Some of them are on, you know, more cardio infused workouts. Some are more, you know, strength cycle workouts. They're all on completely different things, but that's in line with what they enjoy. Like they, they wouldn't do it otherwise. And I've had people message me before, like maybe a new startup client and I've, you know, we've had the discussion of what style training they'd like to try and I've set them all up. And then they've actually messaged and they're checking, like I'm really not enjoying this style of training. And they feel almost guilty for saying that. But I'm like, that's cool, we'll change it. That's absolutely fine. We have so many options we can play with. Um, and I think coaches don't utilize that enough. I think they get very stuck, especially if you come from a bodybuilding background, you go, okay, let's do four exercises, eight reps, three sets, let's go. And that's everyone's programs. But not everyone enjoys that. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> it's so easy, especially when I think when someone's a bodybuilder themselves and they also coach, they obviously see a certain style of training as what's optimal for them and then that then translates in the way that they coach but yeah. they forget that who they're coaching is not them like they don't need to be trapped like elite bodybuilders and yeah it's really really nice to hear you saying that from like a coaching perspective and a personal perspective as well yeah and from a client uh, client point of view I think that's what gets lost a lot as well. Like clients look at you and they think, oh, I need to do that to look that way. It's like, I need to train like exactly like me to look like me. I'm like, no, that works for me. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not, that's not ultimately what's going to work for you. You could train completely the same as me and look eventually nothing like me. Yeah. On the other cards, you could uh, train completely different and look very similar to me and you just never know because it's in terms of like genetics it's in terms of lifestyle in general so I think it's taking that um impression away from clients that you don't need to do exactly what I'm doing yeah and also people like ourselves like we've resistance trained for for years already we've already got that that like foundation that we Mm -hmm. We're, we're not going to lose that muscle tissue very easily when we've worked for so long, so hard to build it. So mm-hmm. our method of training now might not be the best style of training for like hypertrophy. And that's mm-hmm. not what got us to how we look like now. So that's yeah. something to, for people to like bear in mind as well when they're looking at other people's physiques who may train a certain way now. That doesn't mean that's what like built their physique either. No, no, absolutely not. And so in terms of nutrition, how, what does your nutrition look like now and how much has that changed since when you used to compete? So I probably like yourself, I don't know, um, but <laughs> throughout my preps, I always dieted slightly differently. Like when I first dieted, it was very much meal plan. Like I had a meal plan and I just ate that. But that was really, really important at the time because I wasn't eating enough. Like, I didn't understand the, the concept of eating enough. I didn't understand what it was like to fuel your body well. I just thought, you know, the less I eat, the skinnier I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay and I'm going to my, keep my abs as such. Um, so I really needed that meal plan. I needed that real structure to make me eat more. Like, that was what was making me eat more. It was making me eat actually enough. Um, and then... Throughout my years competing, I eventually just went on to if it fits your macros during prep. 
and my last few preps were kind of if it fits your macros that I relatively ate the same thing every day because it was easier <laughs> and you just get like I get addicted to meals like there'll be some months that I love pasta and there'll be some months that I love pizza and I just incorporated that in there um but it was very much daily and quite consistent anyway but yeah by my last preps I was if it fits your macroing as such um and then after that as I reverse I bring it up pretty swiftly um I don't bounce straight back to maintenance I come to like a halfway point and then go back to back to like a maintenance level um I'm quite fortunate, I guess, in development phases, I can eat a lot of food. Um, but that's always been, been my problem. I've always needed more food because I've come from being very, very skinny. Um, and I, I think that as well is the misconception of, of fitness sometimes. We're constantly looking at, at this as like a weight loss journey where for some people, and actually a lot of people, it's not at all. It's like a muscle building, body composition change journey. It's not just about weight loss. Um, and I think we actually miss out respecting a lot of people's goals in, in that instance, because I think the focus is like, oh, I've come from whatever weight down to now this weight. And it's actually, like, I'm forever trying to put on weight, especially in my development season. I'm forever trying to eat more and put more muscle on. And um, because my job is active, because I am naturally more active, because I have got an athletic physique, I find that a lot harder. That's always been my, my struggle as such in a development phase is actually putting on weight. Um, which you know to some would seem like a dream <laughs> but it is just as frustrating <laughs> when you're not um, losing weight so sometimes I find prep easier because I'm I, I lose the weight relatively quickly I lose the fat relatively quickly off season I'm like piling in these calories <laughs> to not see a budge on the scale and I'm like for god's sake um but now I think it's uh easy to maintain kind of the physique I'm at because I'm so active, because I open myself up to these other sports and these other types of programming and training, my expenditure is quite high because of my job, because I'm on my feet a lot. Um, and I can have my calories pretty damn high and maintain a nice, a nice kind of normal where I naturally like to sit. I feel healthy. I feel full. I feel fit. I'm not trying to stuff my face in. I'm not trying to uh, pull it back. I'm not in a deficit. So yeah, now it's much more mindful. Um, if you want to dive into that, um, I keep my habits of, you know, having well-proportioned meals, having three to four kind of sufficient meals a day, um, but it's not tracked. I don't track it. I don't calorie track. I don't do any of that anymore. Um, but it takes a long time to get to that space. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's something people or a lot of people could do straight away if they're going on any fitness journey. I, I think mindful eating is a complete dive into the unknown. <laughs> and if you have no knowledge of food and how it works, you can't really make those mindful choices because you haven't got a clue what, you've got to remember, some people don't know what a carb is still. Like we don't get taught this that much at, at like little school. Like, I have clients, new clients come to me all the time and I talk about macros and they're like, Abby, what's a macro? 
And I'm like, oh my God, you, you remember, you're like, not everyone knows this. No, this is not common knowledge to the, the entire population. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's not easy to mindfully, as easy as we would like to put it across on social media, um, in the sense that it's like, oh, just mindfully eat, just eat what you like, when you feel like it, when you're a little bit hungry, um, just make sure it's a well-proportioned meal. It's like, what is a well-proportioned meal? How do I know what that is if I don't know what a carb is, if I don't know what a fat is? So I think, yeah, that's like a whole, whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> do you feel like your time sort of tracking your food, following a meal plan at times, training consistently really hard mm. for, you know, in a structured way, in a, maybe a more structured way than what you do now, contributed to how easy it feels to maintain where you're at at the moment? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Without that, I wouldn't have this physique. I wouldn't, I wouldn't look like this. Um, so I, I think it's, it's played its role. It's played its role that needed to be that amount of dedication and something. And again, if I wanted to enhance that even more so, if I had more aesthetic goals, which, you know, will come and go throughout your life, I think, um, I would have to dedicate some some set amount of time to that again and that's cool I think it's it's an important point to get across because like you said I think some people almost assume now that like you can be really relaxed with everything and there's no like conscious effort required Mm -hmm. to reach a certain goal but it's really important to go through a phase where conscious effort is required to reach your goals for it then to get easier further down the line to actually maintain that progress that you've made. Yeah, but most people just want to jump to that second part. Yeah, Everyone's just ready to be more relaxed in their approach. And it's like, well, no, actually, if you look at the best fitness, nutritionists, whatever, most of them (laughs) have been through a sort of body composition goal, an area of time where they've tracked, they've been more um, structured in in training and food. Um, And then they get to this point where they're trying to get across to everyone, oh, you know, relax into it, just enjoy it, just, uh, you know, take a more laid back approach. And it's like, well, actually, you didn't even do that. You went through, because we all have to learn. We're like, you can't learn from someone else's experience. You can acknowledge it and you can go, oh, maybe I don't want to experience that, fine. But if you want to change your body, you have to go through it. You have to learn what parts suck in terms of being more restricted. And then then you can come out of it. And like you said, you can then have that less forced effort approach. But people want to jump to that second bit far too quickly yeah and obviously like we're not saying that you have to be as extreme as like a competitor or anything but it's just the point that like conscious effort is required to get to a goal and then once you've achieved that goal you can get then get to a point where things will feel a lot easier and it's just like um like education I, I look at it like that you spend these years of like really forced focused study on something to achieve a qualification and then you generally go into a job role that's around that thing that you're experienced in and you can talk about it way more easily and you have you don't have to keep up constant education it's good to it's good to keep diving in there but it's not like you have to continue doing that it's way more laid back and that's the same thing 
So you spend that time being really, really, really focused, studying all the time, being really concentrated, making that your number one priority. And then you reap the uh, rewards of it afterwards. Yeah, I think that's a really good analogy. And something I wanted to ask you, because I think this is quite a common misconception for a lot of people when they first set themselves goals. For you, does being leaner equate to you being happier? No. (laughs) Especially for me, because I always want to be bigger. I want to be, I want to build muscle. I want to, I I constantly, especially since I started uh, CrossFit, I see these girls like their legs and that shoulders and that upper, I'm like, oh my God, I want that so bad. Like, I just want to build muscle and I want to constantly feel strong. And obviously when when you're in the peak of prep, when you're at those like last few weeks, you do not feel strong. (laughs) You are very, very lean. You have, you know, prep brain and all of that. Um, which definitely exists. Um, I just think absolutely not. <laughs> I am happy that I achieved that goal and I um, saw the capability of what my body can do. But I'm like, I am so ready to pack on muscle. I'm so ready to actually do a heavy squat again or a heavy lift or whatever. I'm like desperate to have like Brazilian legs. <laughs> because they like, I I admire like the shape category and things like that. So I'm like, oh, I just yeah, that that's the goal. <laughs> I completely agree, and I think that often when people sort of set themselves goals, they mm-hmm. focus a little bit too much on thinking that making themselves leaner is gonna make them feel happier when in reality they should set themselves goals based more on how they feel how they perform how confident they are and their quality of life as opposed to just trying to get as shredded as possible yeah yeah and I think um yeah again maybe it's social media maybe it's you know just what you surround yourself with but people's perception of lean is is very different depending on who you hang around with, what you follow on Instagram, what you, um, what's in your family, what's in your friends group. So people's perspective of lean is, is so different. You can think one person's lean, but then you'll see like a competitor literally stepping on stage and be like, oh my God, they're not even lean, like they're lean. Um, and it's like, where, where's the end of that? Like wherever is the end goal as such, you get to that thing and you're like, okay, what now? yeah I can't get any leaner I can't lose any more body fat now I have to either sustain it which I've been on a program which isn't sustainable I'm not enjoying um I'm having to put all my priorities in that basket in the sense of uh, you know training maybe six seven times a week to to get to that that body composition and you're like well yeah I can't keep this up (laughs) but um I need to (laughs) do something else and I feel like with having a more strength orientated or health orientated is a big one for me and you it's it's a never-ending goal in the sense that it's not never-ending in the fact that you know you're not getting leaner and leaner and leaner but it's this is for the rest of your life you can continue doing this for the rest of your life it's not going to be detrimental to your health and in the long run and you can you can see natural progressions whereas there's no natural progressions on getting leaner (laughs) does that make sense 
exactly and you've got like it's absolutely it serves its purpose for bodybuilding competitions but away Mm -hmm. from that like you've got to really ask yourself is that sacrifice worth it worth it like why am I getting lean to the point that I'm not talking about myself but I'm talking about an imaginary person like why am I getting lean to the point I'm losing my menstrual cycle losing my sex drive my hormones are whack like I feel like shit I can't perform well in the gym and I have Mm -hmm. no social life like there's no benefit to that yeah I feel like again going back to the point of like people learning people need to experience that almost if that's their goal is is like getting as shredded as possible doing a competition or whatever they need to experience that to realize that it's not sustainable and it's not fun and it's not optimal to stay there I feel like until they've reached that point then they kind of like they're like oh I'm just gonna keep going keep going keep going you need to reach that real the real suck point and the fact that this is shit (laughs) to go okay yeah I don't want this long term I don't want this long term and that's fine um but I feel like just saying it to other people and so for someone that wants to compete for example if someone wants to come come to me right now and they're like Abby I want to compete how do I do it I'd give them all the information about it you know what is on the cards what's on the table in terms of what might happen during prep what might not happen and in terms of health and all of that if someone wants to do something if they really want to do it, do it because it's, it's your life. And it, you know, for me, bodybuilding saved me from being, you know, this close to anorexia, like literally on the edge. So I think, you know, it has got its perks to it and it has got a good term as well as a bad one. Um, and I think it's good to appreciate this space, but I think, yeah, you know, I am going to give you all the pros and cons for it, but it's your choice at the end of the day if you want to do it, and I will support you thoroughly in that choice. Um, and then and most of the time, they get to the end, they really enjoy the show, they really enjoy competing, but they go, Abby, I know what you mean now in the sense that I do not want to stay at this body composition. I do not want to stay being this lean. It's not fun. <laughs> it's not sustainable. Um, and I'm ready to come out and I'm ready to lift and I'm ready to, to get stronger and all of that. And then it's their choice again if they want to experience that again. I think you go in with a knowledge and a better uh, knowledge base of how it will feel. Because uh, I feel like the first time you, you're really learning, you're like, oh God, okay, this is what she meant by this and this is what she meant by this. Um, whereas, yeah, you know what to expect after that when yeah. you get into it yeah it definitely teaches you a lot to put yourself through that process and like bodybuilding is a great process for those it is right for and Mm -hmm. for anyone that wants to set themselves that goal then go for it I would just recommend obviously like the general population don't push themselves to that extreme because there's just no need um and so what goals are you currently working towards both personally and professionally personally um (laughs) do you know what I'm just building my routine in sense of of what I want to incorporate it within it and trying to keep um a consistency with it because like we said I'm doing a lot at the moment a lot of different things and sometimes recovery from one to another if the because I'm not in control of the CrossFit sessions I go to the class and I do what's on the on the programming then if it's like an upper body orientated Metcon or something, 
and then I planned to go climbing the next day. It is near on impossible <laughs> to do the two. Um, she literally can't lift up your arms. And um, so for me, it's finding a consistency within within that and a, a real good balance of kind of those those disciplines and um, fitting resistance training around that optimally that again you're not over fatigued or whatever or just not even capable of recovery and then professionally yeah I have my business that's pretty strong it's pretty set up I've, I've done that for years and I'm I'm happy with where it is at I'm happy with my client base and um, I've got an amazing team which I which I support some of them you know I have such a variation in who I, you know, train in terms of they're either athletes, lifestyle, or or very much postnatal, and um, which I just thoroughly enjoy the broadness of it. And um, it keeps me stimulated, it keeps me occupied, um, and it keeps me forever learning. And um, so I think that's that's my awesome balance within that. And then females on the judging panel within the bodybuilding industry is my kind of drive, especially going into 2022. Um, you know, I've been judging since I stepped stepped off stage a little bit before, and um, because as a pro you could judge the amateurs and all of that. And um, so I learned I learned that in I started judging in 2018, judging amateur shows. And um did it through throughout 2019, 2020, literally before the lockdown, I got flown out to Las Vegas and I got uh, accredited by the US Federation to judge properly professional amateur leagues, um, which was so intense. The certificate, like, <laughs> I've done a lot of studies and a lot of exams, but that exam that they had out there for the judges, I was like, this is so hard and <laughs> yeah. um, because when you think about bodybuilding it's opinion based everything's opinion based and it's trying to get a collective opinion uh from a a, a judging panel and um, so yeah the test for that was really really challenging and then obviously lockdown hit so i didn't really get to dive into that too much until shows picked up again um and and then yeah i i've judged a lot since then uh, in the UK and then they flew me out to Germany and Italy back end of this year to, to judge over there and that was another whole experience um, but it's getting more females on the panel is, is my goal because bikini all the female side of the bodybuilding industry you could argue is bigger than the male side yeah. in terms of numbers at competition if you look at the majority of competitions, especially when we used to compete, is getting a lot better now. I would say in 2021 was kind of the year where everyone was like, okay, females definitely need to be integrated more. But when we used to compete, it was male panels. Like, yeah, you'd have, you'd have maybe one woman on the panel, but she would probably be on the panel like adding up the scores. She wouldn't you'd have like there. you'd have Helen Panther in the UK BFF, and then everyone else yeah. is men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and even at the shows now you see it's like all men and I'm like what <laughs> I was like there's so many female categories and I I feel for judging you need such a broad experience base and um category base 
you know, there should be someone on the panel that's experienced bodybuilding, that's experienced classic, that's experienced figure, that's experienced bikini, so that you can come to like a collective decision and you all, you know, add your opinions in and all that. So I, I just, I didn't get it. I didn't understand why it was all men. I, I, not okay with it. <laughs> it's not cool. <laughs> and um, in Europe, it's even worse. And especially when I got flown out to Italy, oh my God, it was so, I think they were mortified that a female was on the panel and not just a female, a young female, I think even more, even more so. Cause I was young. I think they were like, what's this, what's this girl doing here? And they didn't speak any English. So then <laughs> I was just getting eyeballed the whole time, I swear. And, uh, <laughs> and it was just bizarre. But by the end of the show, they were so respectful. They were like, okay, you actually know what you're talking about. You yeah. actually understand criteria, not just female criteria. I understand male criteria. It's just, there's such a, a weird thing around it being a young female on a, on a judging panel when it shouldn't be. Yeah. I, yeah, it's absolutely bizarre. So, so next year, well, I've still got one more judging gig over in America next week, um, this year, and then it, it just takes off next year. And we're, we're really diverse, diversifying the, the panels. And I just, I'm so passionate about it. Um, yeah. And, and getting, getting just good people on yeah. a judging panel. Because there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. It's just mad. Yeah. I was going to say it's really nice to hear like that you're pushing that and you're fighting for it because it does need to happen. And like you said, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. There's a lot of um, maybe slight corruption behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely needs to change. Yeah. It's, it's not slight either. Like any industry, I think any industry that you are in, there's always going to be corruption in terms of, you know, if you know this person, you're going to do better. That's just how business works. Unfortunately, like that is just how it works and it sucks. And that's why you've got to be passionate about changing it as much as you physically can. Yeah. Um, because it's always going to be there, which is frustrating. And, and even if we don't want it to be, it just, we let, we let it pass. We let so much pass in any industry and you see that all the time with coaches being called out or or you know things to do with um you know sex and who you've spoken to and who you've talked to and you see that coming up all the time a year later everyone's forgotten i would even say a week later i'm not even going to say a year yeah. a week later it rushed under the carpet no one cares and everyone's coaching with that person again everyone's talking to that person or everyone's doing that show again and that's you know, it's, oh, it's frustrating, but it's, it's so frustrating. <laughs> and like, it really shouldn't be allowed to happen. Like those people, if it was any other industry, those people would not be allowed to have a business like they do and work with people in such a close proximity as mm -hmm. what they do. Um, so yeah, it definitely needs to change, but. But how? It's, yeah. it's always that, it's that how, how can I, I know because it's not even like people it's not like it's just a case of people need to speak up now because that's happening people are speaking oh, all up all the time it's like but like where does the responsibility lie because also people are invest like people are actively choosing to start with those coaches that they mm -hmm. know what has gone on with yeah yeah and I think 
you know, that, that speaks a lot, I don't know, for the individual, for the coach, I don't know. Um, but it's morally, for me, if I was to choose any coach, I'd make sure I knew their background as yeah. much as possible. Because I think a lot of people are completely naive to it. I think the, some athletes I genuinely have never heard that this person or that federation or whatever has done wrong in the past because it has been sweeped under the carpet. So they have no idea. But I think that's also personal responsibility that you, sh you should want to know <laughs> what that person and what that individual is about, where their morals lie, where their values lie. So then you can match up and, and bring yours to the table as well, because you don't want people looking at you like, oh my God, she's coaching with him or her, she's coaching with whoever and, uh, oh, but remember what he's done and remember what that's done and whatnot, when actually they might have no idea yeah it's like people just need to be a bit more thorough with their research like talk to the coach's old clients talk to people that have worked with the coach before or like been on podcasts with the coach before like just do a little bit more research rather than just looking at transformation pictures and number of client wins and number of trophies because that's what's in their instagram bio like you need to look a little bit deeper than surface level mm -hmm that's that's what most people go off they'll go off okay you know I watched this show that person won so I'm going to coach with the person that that coached the winner because uh, you know in any other sport you probably do that like you probably want to do that right if you wanted to become an Olympic rower you'd probably want to be coached by the person that coaches the Olympic team that's you know that makes sense in your head but also you do want to check that they're not a weirdo and they're not corrupt and they're not going to sexualize you or or manipulate you in any way as well uh but I, I think it's pretty unfortunate that in I think you get that in most industries yeah even if I think because we're not in other industries we obviously see it within our own I reckon you get that I know you get that in business I know you get that in you know probably finance <laughs> but we're not in those industries so we don't know how deep it is but we do in this industry and it's um it's yeah. trying to do our part we're never going to change it completely unfortunately but it's doing everything we physically can whilst we're in it and whilst we're a big part of it that we can change we can change what we can and we we can make choices to to hopefully help with it and um, and that that's my main thing on judging panels is is getting rid of getting rid of I say that as if I have the power but I do I do have have that power in a lot of um, instance of you know letting people know that that person is is doing this or should not be you do not want to be associated with that or is doing this whilst we're judging or saying this whilst we're judging or judging his clients or judging her clients even um, and yeah it's important that you have someone there to to kind of push that out as much as possible no it's really really good to hear that you're doing that abby and thank you for today it's been a pleasure and i'm sure a lot of people are gonna benefit from this podcast and also find it very interesting so where can people find you on social media and what's your email address if anyone wants to contact you and um, so i am on social media under abby willis um that's A-V-B-E-E-Y, Willis. Um, <laughs> just an extra E because my name wasn't available. Um, 
<laughs> I've also got a business page, which is with Abby underscore with Abby. And that's my coaching page. Uh, I've got my website, which is coaching with Abby. And my email is aw underscore coaching at icloud.com. If anyone wants to, to message, um, email me any questions or queries about anything, that's absolutely fine. Um, I'm pretty open on, on DMs and stuff like that. If anyone has anything they want to ask, I'm, I'm literally there. I have no, I have no boundaries. <laughs> Perfect. So for anyone that wants to get in contact with Abby, I will put her details in the description below. Please make sure you give her a follow because she's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for anyone who's taken the time to listen or interact. It means the world. If you do enjoy the content on the female fitness podcast, please do like subscribe and leave a comment down below and I will see you next week.